if you think you felt a great disturbance in the force, you're not wrong. Ed Gross and me, Mark A. Altman, have a new oral history coming out this July from St. Martin's Press. It's Secrets of the Force, the complete, uncensored, unauthorized oral history of the Star Wars saga. So wherever you buy books, audio and video, pick it up today, pre-order, and you can learn the secrets of the Force. And don't miss our oral history of Star Trek in stores now. And of course, nobody does it better. The complete oral history of James Bond in digital, hardcover, paperback, and audio. That is all. Hey, Darren, I'm watching the best show on television. You want to know what it is? What is it? I think I know, but what is it? Inglorious Trexperts. <laughs> and you're thinking to yourself, that's wait a second, that's not say. a TV show. It's but not it a, is. But it is. It, it is. is. It's a TV show because you can watch us on the Electric Now app. It's an app for streaming video podcasts as well as movies, television, and more. You can see us on demand on Electric Now. I demand it. I demand because I demand it. <laughs> Commodore Stone can watch us on the Electric Now app. And how do you get the Electric Now app? Because apparently people are having trouble understanding the concept. Just go to your app store from whatever device you're using or all of the devices you're using. And you download it to your phone, your iPad, your Roku, your whatever, whatever you, whatever you, whatever you have that streams, other than a Viewmaster. You download it, and and then you watch it, hundred percent free. There's no charge. Yeah. There's no Patreon. There's no Electronic Frontier. All there is is a free app. So download the Electric Now app from your favorite app store and watch us on Electric Now. If you're a fan of Inglorious Trexperts, you're gonna love. Trexpert's Briefing Room, a Trexpert's new series. Trexpert's Briefing Room? What is that? I was about to explain, then you interrupted oh, me. I'm it sorry. Is, it's curated audio commentaries of classic Star Trek episodes from the original series all the way through Enterprise. You're going to love it as we explore the behind-the-scenes making of all these wonderful Star Trek episodes with cast and crew that you would never expect to hear doing audio commentaries on Star Trek. Sounds like fun. It will be. And you can find it on the Inglorious Trexperts podcast feed and on the new Trexperts Briefing podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's go see what's out there. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Docterman. And we are the Inglorious Trexperts. And we're back. We're back with a great episode. This was actually suggested by one of our listeners who had the idea for a, a sliding doors type of show with Star Trek. It was like, what would happen if? And I said, sliding doors. I'm not Star going Trek with that. Star Trek has sliding doors in it all the time. I'm not going with that Gwyneth Paltrow crap. I said, no, it's like Marvel. What if? It's like, right. you know, what if? Because, you know, they had all these these great what ifs, like, you know, what if Spider-Man had joined the Fantastic Four? Or Jane Foster had found the hammer Thor and or Loki, you know, the, remember those comics? Anyway, well, well, we'll talk about that. But before we do that, I want to introduce our fabulous guests. Um, I'm so glad to have back on the podcast. You know her as the showrunner of such shows. She was on The Flash, Titans. 
the Vampire Diaries. Oh my God, Grey's Anatomy. I mean, I, I when I get started on the list, I can I can never stop. And of course, she's now the uh, co showrunner showrunner on um, the new Amazon show, The Summer I Turned Pretty. Is that right? That yeah, is it. And yep. yep. The summer, summer I turned pretty. It's the story of Darren Doctorman That's growing right. up. As no, it's actually based. I remember on that a, summer. It was a really- love novel, and uh, and then of course uh, joining us this week, first time on the podcast. I can't believe this is your first time on this podcast. Well, how did it take? Well, she's been time, working. The first time as a panelist. She was oh, yes, in the, right. in okay. the I stand cor- I, I stand corrected. I stand corrected. You know her as a writer producer for such shows as Millennium, uh, like the sixth app, uh, sixth version of the Twilight Zone. No, it was only the third at that point. I think uh, she's uh, currently um, creating and crafting, crafting Motherland for Freeform, and uh, she is one of our, our, our the super talented and delightful. Catherine K. Rangdell. Hello, Kay. Hello, Trexperts. Look at you. Hi. You're on the uh, you're on the, in the briefing the briefing room of the the uh, D. I I sure am. I'm waiting. I'm early. Apparently, I don't know where yeah. everyone else you're is. You're a couple hundred years early. <laughs> <laughs> now this yeah. is interesting because you know here you are in, uh, on the D. Now I always knew you know obviously Gab is a TOS fan through and through that's her jam are you more of a tng fan if so i'm this is a shock to me uh yeah i mean i sort of am i know it best of all of them mm, um okay. so uh that's that's why i'm i'm kind of representing today but okay I know fair enough it's, it's funny because uh the, the uh, next generation runs on tv so much so, whereas the original series does not. So, actually, I've been watching a lot of Next Generation as well recently. I'm not knocking the Next Generation. I love Next Generation, obviously. You know, there is that thing you love all your children equally. Well, that's not quite true. But, uh, I mean, I love my children. <laughs> yeah. But, 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 but uh, you know, and, of course, I can't because, you know, my wife is, is, is a huge Next Generation Picard. Not Picard, the new Picard, the fan of the character. She's not a fan of Picard, but uh, she, so you know, we 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 you know, it's it's tough because you know we we're this, this family is very bifurcated in that sense. You know, you got the big and Kirk yet, fan, and, and yet the, brought together by the franchise, and yet brought together by the franchise. Now, if I could only, you know, my, you know, I I I've told the story before on the podcast, but I remember going, you know, and seeing Bill at, at the Equestrian Center, and my daughter at the time was very young, and I was like. One day you'll be able to tell people that you met Bill Shatner on a horse, <laughs> and, and and that was the first time you ever met Bill Shatner, and it, you know, and 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 uh, you know, I made it sound like it was a big deal. And now, you know, now she's much older, and uh, I'm like, you know, it's amazing. You, you met Bill Shatner for the first time on on horseback, and uh, she doesn't care, and it kills me. It kills me. Like, don't you understand how cool that is? <laughs> So I thought great. you were going to say, like, it turned out she was a Voyager fan or something. I don't... No, she's not a Star Trek fan at all. In fact, she loves to make fun of it. So, uh, which is mm-hmm. fine, because I'm a big believer in um, making fun their of own. People? Yeah, that too. But <laughs> <laughs> Although apparently it's out of vogue right now. But, um, but I, I um, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer in you like what you like, you know, what you like. And, and, you know, I like to, you know, I always said to, you know, my kids, it's like, I want you to have the experience of, of watching this stuff. And it's up to you whether you like it or not. And, um, you know, I've no, so, you know, my, you know, my, my daughter's much more into, uh, 
to her credit, older movies and 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 music. And, you know, she's big in music, which is all good. So um, it's what we say. You know, this is this show that celebrates the love. That's why even the, the Star Trek shows and there are Star Trek shows that we don't like. Um, <laughs> we, 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 we but there are people out there that like like them. And so we respect the fact that there are people that like them and, you know, more power to you. You know, it's like good. Enjoy what you enjoy. Well, I have to say, um, uh, since the pandemic started, I've been doing a weekly Star Trek Zoom with some friends. We watch two episodes a week, and uh, we've been doing it every Saturday. So we've seen a lot of different episodes from different series. And we didn't watch Voyager until we got a Voyager fan as part of our group. And I've actually seen some Voyager episodes that were quite enjoyable. Really? So funny. I, I know I believe you. I mean, I've not watched, I mean, all, I think the original series, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, yeah. all of those I've seen over and over and over again. I never really went back to Voyager. I wonder if, if I went back to it, if I would be seeing it in, in a different light. I mean, yeah, because I didn't watch all of Voyager. I watched, I think, maybe the first season and then kind of episodes here and there. But, um, yeah. So interesting because I just look back and I, I it just makes me feel old because you know our idea of a good Saturday Sunday night was going it was us all going out you know and hanging out for hours and hours you know having apple martinis and yep. mac and cheese and chocolate chip cookies and oh, more okay, apple so martinis right and 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 you know it was it was a, a great thing and uh, we 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 had great special guest stars uh, you know Seth MacFarlane came once uh, uh, you know and a bunch of different people I remember I remember one of my favorites was when uh, Alan Spencer brought uh, Ursa herself um, mm-hmm. uh, Sarah Douglas once yep. you know so yep. uh, and now you're at home watching episodes <laughs> of Voyager. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, well, when you're Damn you, pandemic! <laughs> oh, or, or in my case, ninety day fiance. No. Oh. No. no. <laughs> really? Wow. Are you? I saw an ad that that they were like, "This is in the ninety day universe," and I went, "What? Well, you can't have a a shared universe if they're real people." Oh, you can. It's <laughs> called Earth. Yeah. Well, no, no I don't know. Like the housewives, I think do crossovers too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's oh frightening, and I can't wow. look away. <laughs> wow that's wild see we're doing um during we've been doing a movie night with the with the kids on saturdays which is um much like the fourth day movie we've been programming theme months right now we're in the ides of march month we did to be or not to be the loop to be or not to be mark yeah. <laughs> and uh and we've had some we've had some great you know last month we did disney month but we did like nine to five and bed knobs and broomsticks not oh, nine to five bed knobs and broomsticks and freaky friday and that's stuff far. like that so are you yeah, gonna, are you going to better show- than Voyager? <laughs> are you going to uh, show them HBO's Rome? No, I, I don't. I don't think that's on the agenda. I don't think that's on the agenda. But it actually, is I'm, 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 the the reason I'm so fascinated by this, uh, Kay, was I went. I, you know, as much as I'm kidding around, I went through a similar kind of thing early in the pandemic. I was back when I had COVID last year in, in April, March, April, and literally could not get out of bed and uh, was completely exhausted. Um, I, I watched, I, you know, I was not in the mood to watch movies. So I, I, I started watching Star Trek. I, and, I, and, and I couldn't even get up to get my Blu-ray. So I was kind of like on Netflix and I watched, um, you know, I watched a bunch of Voyagers you know, because I keep hearing on the show how how good it is apparently, and and enterprises, and I, you know, look, they, I will never say they're great shows, 
But there's some great episodes of Voyager. There's some great episodes of Enterprise. Yeah. It was really eye-opening to revisit them after all these years. I know Darren's laughing. He he he's like, yeah, really. Well, yeah, no, <laughs> I don't. Darren's thinking I could never be that sick that I would be like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was the COVID talking. But no, <laughs> I, I I actually I loved uh, you know um, you know I I made a point. I, I couldn't watch them in order, you know, because it was just too painful in those twenty sixteen. But when you mm-hmm. curate some of the better episodes. It, it, like for instance, we and I watched Timeless for the first time, Bride of Chaotica, and a bunch of. Yes. I was like, this really, you know, these are these are good. These are I, did, I I. Yeah, last week we actually did Armand Bashir and Bride of Chaotica. Oh wow! And perfect. Bride of Chaotica is it is just pitch perfect. Yeah. It really yeah. is. Look of it. Um, Armand Bashir was so brown. I needed a little bit of color in <laughs> there. <laughs> it was so brown, but but there those episodes are so much fun. You don't like Armand Bashir? I I like it a lot. I think he it's just great. doesn't like it's brown. That, well, the set design is so not, mm. you know, like Bride of Chaotica. They nailed it. Yeah, but the, I think part of the problem with Armand Bashir too is um, being that you know the standard deaf of it all. Because at least Bride of Chaotic yeah. is in black and white, you know, yeah. but the standard def, it's just so muddy. The colors, so muddy. You know, yeah. you know is that, that, you know, it doesn't look great, you know, yeah. when you're watching on a big TV and everything. But yeah, they should have leaned into the 60s color of it all. But I love our man Bashir. It's so much fun. It's so much. And, and it's funny watching Avery Brooks have so much fun. And then uh, what's her face? Uh, Captain Janeway have so much fun. Yes. The two of them just like, oh, thank you. This is just a blast. So <laughs> when you do these Saturday get togethers with your friend, these watch parties, that's what the kids these are calling Star it. Star Trek yeah. parties of yours. Uh, uh, these, these Star Trek, <laughs> yeah, Star Trek parties. You drink your Tranya, whatever you're drinking. Um, so after the episode's over, do you have like these discussions? Yeah, we go on Zoom and, and we chat about stuff and um, talk about the episodes and yeah. Wow, you should do a I podcast. That, yeah. why make, you know, why, why waste time doing it for, for, for eight people when you can do it for tens of thousands? I mean, of because because you don't want to record the Zoom episode after we watch the Voyager episode Spirit Folk. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know when we were doing that commentaries, we were talking to you know, Brandon about, you know, we're doing these Trexperts briefing rooms, which are audio commentaries. And so we're saying, you know, Brandon, you want to do threshold? You want to do cause and effect? Or let's do sub Rosa. Let's do sub Rosa, right? He's like, let's do cause and effect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's fair. Yeah, absolutely. I know, which, Gab- is, which is the Voyager episode? That, that is, wasn't the, what was the episode where, um, I, I vaguely remember this, but I just remember watching it and being like, what is happening? Janeway and Chakotay end up like abandoned on this planet and he spends all episode building her a bathtub. This is a real wow. episode of Voyager. That that was the mission to Lowe's. <laughs> <laughs> but put it on your list for next Saturday. Okay? Oh, for sure. I will ask our resident Voyager expert about that one. Now, and then, and then, so what else? Sorry, I'm so fascinated by this. But um, what what else surprised you over the course of watching these episodes in general? Not Voyager, but like doing this Star Trek, where you're watching them out of order. You're watching different series, and you're watching it with a group. Like, how has your perspective changed? And like, what what surprised you the most? And are there episodes that you liked that you you now dislike, or episodes you dislike that you like a lot more? I mean, what what has that been like? 
Um, yeah, it's been really interesting. So everybody rotates. So every week somebody picks both episodes. And we've been trying to be somewhat thematic, although we're not always successful, but we do have 8,000 episodes to draw from. So it's, it's not that hard. Um, what's, I mean, it's, it's interesting watching how hard Enterprise tries. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and how that, I really like the cast, but it just never came together as a show. We haven't watched that many Enterprise episodes. Um, and then uh, I think it's funny, we watched yesterday's Enterprise, which of course is, is a classic. And something that I hadn't noticed before was how differently it was shot. Mm-hmm. It was lit completely differently yeah. than any other episode of the show. And I didn't notice that until we isolated it and watched it. Um, I think that's a reason that people love that episode. I, I think as much yeah. as it's a great written episode, I think the fact that it leaned into a very different look and there's more hand has more handheld and, and moody and the lighting is really cool, you know, more redolent of the original that uh, yeah. it really, you know, has, has been something that people just love. And the character drama is so great. So that you overlook the fact that Guinan comes on the bridge and is like, I feel this is not the universe we're supposed to be in. We're actually supposed to be doing something completely different, you know? <laughs> It's like, it's such a weird deus ex machina, but you go with it because the episode's so good. And it's such a cool character moment for her. That first Mm. moment when she realizes this isn't right just deepens her character. So there were so many little things in that episode. It actually gives her character something to do. Rather than serve me a drink. Yeah, But that's why Generations is so heartbreaking in Time's Arrow, because Yesterday's Enterprise suggests this really cool backstory for her, that she can sense different dimensions and universes and time and temporal distortions. And it turns out, you know, she's just like hanging with Malcolm McDowell and the Nexus or whatever. It's like so, so not cool. I couldn't Um, even why they didn't have a way to use her. Like, I I just rewatched Time's Time's Arrow probably mm -hmm. about a week ago, and there was just like, you just some answers you would have liked. How did they meet? You know, how yeah. did she and Picard? They obviously they just never had a good way. They always wanted you to be think it was going to be cooler than it was because they, they never a, tell you. They met in an online dating site. <laughs> that was that whole '90s like X Files. We're going to yeah. tell you the truth, and mm-hmm. then you get there, and it's like they keep spinning their wheels and reinventing the mythology, and it just never answers the questions. And when it does give you these nuggets, it's never satisfying. So, <laughs> Gab, you you mentioned something really interesting. I mean, look, we all know how busy you are. You have multiple pilots. You're you're show running the show for Amazon, and yet you you said something. I watched Times Arrow. Now, yeah. Times Arrow is a two-parter. Um, what but, in the but, world prompted you to, like, when and how did this happen and why? Well, well first of all, there's a million things I'm supposed to be watching because I'm not staying up with the hip TV. Um, and oh. I have, like, just lists of stuff that I'm supposed to be watching now that there's over 500 hours of television on. But um, my husband plays music. Uh, he's a bass player. And sometimes he'll go downstairs and say, I'm just going to go downstairs for, like, an hour and practice a little bit. So... Then I'm staying on the couch. And I'm like, well, do I do something productive, or do I watch House Hunters? Or oh, look, there's an episode of Next Gen on. Mm. And then next thing you know, it's an hour later. He comes up. He's like, did you get your work done? And I say, yes. And then you know, we watch something together. So <laughs> that I, it's usually in those moments that I, I sneak away and uh, and watch a little Star Trek. 
did you watch both parts or just one i did watch both parts actually because when i saw it i don't know what channel it is but they basically run like bbc america bbc america they just run like a whole night of it so like if i'm up there and i see it i'll just like you know hit record for like a whole bunch and then see what i get later and they Ah. had the back to back so i did did watch them both and um i still always really like that episode the actor who plays mark twain it's funny though i loved him at the time jerry harden and he was also in the x-files yeah um but he seemed much more abrasive the last time i watched it i cannot stand it from the very first time I'm like, dude, your indoor voice. Yeah. Well, he does talk well, loud. He talks all, he's like Keith Ranieri. He talks all the time. Oh my God. <laughs> but uh, but by my, then, you know, you notice things that you don't really notice, like, you know, when you're a kid watching it, like, there's really no reaction from anyone in like, you know, 19th century San Francisco that data looks maybe a little different than anyone else, you know? They're just kind of like, oh. he, he Perhaps it's the unfortunate accident he had as a child. <laughs> My friend here is obviously an android Chinese. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even try and explain it exactly. Yeah, I so. guess, you know, if you're a really good poker player, all other things are forgiven, so. <laughs> he, it was a right. terrible bronzing accident that he had when he was younger. I, I, I love it though, that here we are in the midst of hopefully the, the waning days of the pandemic. And, you know, we all do the same thing. We all watch these episodes of Star Trek. And it's not like we're watching Mirror, Mirror, you know, City of the Edge of Forever. We're watching Time's Arrow. And, <laughs> well, because and, it's like, comfort food in a weird way. You don't what's this think, stuff? You don't want to, yeah. you just want to sit back and just see something that is familiar and comforting and made you happy at some point because you can't imagine anything ever making you happy again. And you just kind of go back in time. Yeah, I'm so fascinated this because, you know, we did an episode, I don't know, a couple months ago with Roger Thompson, who teaches um, Star Trek at Chun-Yi University. I don't know if that was one of our most popular episodes, but I found it fascinating. Like, I was just like, wow, this guy teaches Star Trek to Koreans. And uh, it was a really interesting episode. It's like, I just, I find this fascinating, the fact that, you know, you getting together with friends and watching Star Trek. And it is a different way to watch Star Trek, isn't it? Because now with the technology, technology which watch parties like you can watch with all these people which for us i guess growing up that was kind of you wanted that kind of communal experience like you would watch it but then the next day you would talk about it with your friends mm-hmm. yeah it well, is fun. and with with uh with netflix with teleparty you can chat also so the mm-hmm. first episodes we watched actually were <laughs> threshold and sub rosa <laughs> Fine choices. Wow. At least you didn't watch masks. Oh, we oh. did eventually. We, I know. Oh man. I, I can't. I can't <laughs> there, I have to say, I I I I'm not that uh, masochistic, but I did go through a phase like early in the pandemic where I watched like The Way to Eden, The Cloud Minders. Um sure. You know, and a lot of the the third season episodes that I hadn't watched in ages. Because, mm. of course, you know, we talk about this. Like, you don't watch the bad ones because you can curate your Star Trek watching now. Yeah. It's not like you just watch whatever's on. And and um, so I wanted to go back and watch a lot of these really bad episodes that I hadn't watched in so many years because I didn't have to. And and they're, <laughs> yeah. they're still bad. But, well, you, you know, the well, takeaway is there's is always a something. relative term. But... So yeah. I, I loved Star Trek as a kid. My parents did not get it at all. My parents just refused to understand it. I was a freak. What's going on? I think I was literally like 
18 or 19, or maybe I was back from college, when I finally, finally talked my dad into sitting down in some kind of like father-daughter bonding experience and watching an episode of Star Trek. And it was playing back in New York on WPIX, and it comes on at six, and you have no control of what's going to come on. So after 20 years of talking about this show, I sit down with my dad, and what episode do you think starts to play? Fox Brain. Fox Brain, yeah. Really? Really, WPIX? (laughs) For like 10 years after, when I would call him and be like, hey, what's up? He'd be like, good. They ever find that guy's brain? (laughs) <laughs> in fact they did even after he lost it a second time Which, okay well that brings us that brings us to the topic of this week's show because the, 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 this week's show does have a topic we are doing uh, uh you know a star trek what if again suggested by one of our our listeners which is a great idea um you know we, we want to sort of say you know and who knows maybe paramount plus will end up doing their what if series i mean now marvel is doing uh what if uh for the mcu so we sort of thought it'd be fun to explore some Star Trek what ifs. And if, if, if instead of going left, things had gone right. And uh, instead of starboard, they went the other way, whatever that is. Um, what? Board board. Board. Board aft, yeah, right. Well, yeah. Whatever. We're not shit. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, we, we've asked everybody to come prepared with some ideas for some uh, Star Trek what ifs. Now, this could be very exciting. Or it could be a disaster. We don't know. Well, it could be a beaker. We're, 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 yeah. we're gonna we're gonna find out. And uh, and you know, look, it's it's interesting to ponder because this is more, I think, more the kind of stuff when, like, as a kid, like, I did did Trek magazine do an article like this? I kind of feel they might have. It might have been in one of those best of the Trek books. Like, Probably. what if? Okay, so we're we're, we're stealing their idea then. Um, Definitely. But uh, but so I'm gonna I'm gonna start with with Gab. Like you, you know, <laughs> what what is your what if? Like, what's the, your Star Trek what if? I have two. Like, what the ones I was kind of thinking about, but here I I raised the premise, but I don't know like really what would happen. But the question always kind of is like, what if Edith Keeler did not die in the car crash? Okay, we always think about that. Well, and then you're always thinking, well, she has to because. You know, otherwise, then the Nazis take over America and everything goes wrong and the Enterprise disappears and the future is not as we know it. But is that true? Because Kirk was, you know, a little loosey-goosey with the Prime Directive sometimes. And he really loved Edith Keeler. I mean, some would say it is one of his great loves of his life. What if she didn't die in the car accident and he took her with them when they left? Ooh. I mean, how would that like ripple forward? Would he then become like family man? You know, I mean, mm. would it mean his son was never born because he never, you know, was with um with uh, with Carol Marcus? Yeah, we sorry, don't know that. Marcus blanking <laughs> on it. Um, yeah, I don't know. So that was that was a, a what mm. if could he? What if he really had done that? Wow, like, see that's it. That that's interesting because, of course, that not surprisingly, that was on my list too. But I had it a little differently. But you're like, what if Kirk had let Edith Killer live? You know, and I thought, okay, Kirk's never going to do that. So it was like, what if McCoy had stopped Kirk from letting Edith Killer oh. die? And then, you know, what would that have done to like their relationship? And then, of course, you know, and then does Kirk then have to go and kill Edith Killer now she doesn't die in the truck or, accident? Or does Spock have to? Or right, does yeah. Spock have to kill on the Spock grassy knoll? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I, I know. Does Spock then have to go kill the killer? I think he and does. He like, becomes basically a serial killer. Yeah. You know, they're well, stuck in the past. I don't think you can be a serial killer with one killing. Killing one person. Oh, yeah. He's got a taste for it now. So he's, <laughs> he's just going <laughs> to. But, but it, you know, if he did, if he did kill her, though, maybe there is something you can do with this strange murder that happened on the Earth side. Right. Mm. So that could have changed, started to change our world, which maybe would have changed the future. Right. right, because isn't that fascinating? Like Spock does kill Edith Keeler, but then the Guardian doesn't send them back. Mm-hmm. They're trapped in the past. So something else is, cha- and it's a chain reaction. Mm-hmm. So maybe now they're that, stuck there. Maybe that is what gives us the fork into the mirror universe because they they saw that it was a man with pointed ears and satanic eyebrows and everyone became fearful of those people and then when they came back in first contact they killed them mm-hmm. and that's what branches off the mirror universe Love oh it. that's interesting yeah. that's really cool <laughs> uh, it's so- funny, off of that but there was thing i was thinking actually rolling this through your head Maybe nothing would have happened. Everything would have stayed the same because because Spock was different looking. That would have like, you know, people would have been like, oh, you know, he's evil. The Aryan Brotherhood is the right way to go. Maybe everyone would have become Nazis anyway. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really like, yeah, I mean, it's it's I mean, the whole premise of, of that episode is is that. You know, she starts, she, you know, fans the burgeoning peace movement in the United States, which prevents right. our entry into the yeah. But, you know, you got to wonder, you know, if um, if anything could have stopped America from entering the war after Pearl Harbor. So the question becomes, maybe they just declare war on Japan and not on Germany, you know, um, and if they don't fight, um you know, in the in, in the Atlantic theater and only in the Pacific theater. Right. I mean, it's a very interesting alternate history. You know, ultimately, uh, uh, you know, and how, how that would how that would affect things. You know, so maybe Hitler's able to take over all of Europe, right. but you know, we defeat the Japanese. You know, it's just uh, I don't know. I, it's a very but uh, you know, it's such a provocative concept. I mean, I think that's why people love that episode so right. much. Mm-hmm. But it, uh, you know, ultimately, he gives up. You know, some would say his one true love um to you know to save the future literally save the future um but i think also you know good star trek is all about character so you know at the most interesting is how does it affect the troika you know if what you say spock has to then kill edith keeler Mm -hmm. you know how does that affect his relationship with mccoy his relationship maybe with kirk you know because kirk maybe there's just got to be another way but spock you know basically you know, is going to do what Spock's going to do because he's acting out of logic, uh, then, you know, then, or does, you know, he pulled the Requiem from Methuselah thing yeah, where he exactly, races. That's exactly what uh, Kirk's say. Kirk's memory, yeah. you know, you know, so, I, I didn't kill her. <laughs> but that seems to be because, again, it's time travel. The one episode where it could branch out in so many different directions that it's such a, a natural for this idea of what if. Well, because you never when you think about it, are we ever sure that the future they came back to was the exact same future? Right. I mean, when you go well, into like the, the butterfly effect, maybe yeah, there yeah. were things that changed. Just to tiny be fair, bit. to be fair, the Guardian himself says all is as it was before. It was. But does he know? Sure he does. He knows everything. He's smart. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently now he wears a hat. 
<laughs> so. Smart hat. Sir. Smart hat. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that's that, look, that, that, that's a good one. It's a good one. It has, you know, many such journeys are possible. <laughs> so let's, uh, let, let, let's, let's go to, uh, to Kay. Um, and and see uh, because you know I have to say you know obviously that was my my first on my list but uh, as Sorry. well but no no that's, that's quite a right uh, so it wouldn't be the first time anybody listens to the four thirty movie knows usually my movie my movies get taken early so um, <laughs> uh, Kay what what about you what what's your um, what's your what if well I mean there's there's a, a, a big one that I know is on your list uh, but I'm gonna bring up a smaller one. What if uh, Thomas Riker stayed? Mm -hmm. That's on my list too. Not my number two, but it's on my list. That's a good one. Because, you know, Thomas Riker, of course, was this identical. And, and, you know, the thing about that that's so interesting was they had actually talked about that in the writer's room. Mm -hmm. They talked about killing Riker and having you know, Thomas Riker re- replace him, but they felt it was too a- audacious and too difficult in the, in the waning days. They of thought the show. it would be far too interesting for the show. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> hey, wouldn't that shift all the character dynamics? <laughs> <laughs> it would have been, it would have been so interesting. Um, and of course, you know, that was, was so interesting that they didn't explore with the sort of romantic relationship yeah. between Troy. Suddenly you have two Rikers. You know, and one who's like keeping his distance because, you know, they're they're crewmates. And then, you know, suddenly you have Tom, the you know, cut show up and it, it could have been so interesting. And they never really explored that in any kind of real way. I mean, for me, the the real interesting part of that episode is because of obviously it's it's the 90s. <laughs> he would be batshit crazy. Mm. He would be nuts, like having spent all that time by himself. Right. Sorry, that guy is crazy. He'd be building fires in his cabin. Yeah, like he. <laughs> I mean, we're talking like Homeland, Brody kind of crazy. He's like Tom Hanks in Castaway. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it would have been fun to see him struggle, but it wasn't. That wasn't what TV was really, really doing at that time. But I mean, I think it would have been interesting, like especially with the Riker Picard relationship. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think Picard would have just like airlocked that guy after about five minutes. <laughs> I thought I trained you out of all of this. Yeah, that's it. That's that's really that's interesting. And it, you know, you would have wanted to see that kind of bond between the two Rikers. Like, I think realistically, you couldn't keep them alive just because that's a lot of split screen mm-hmm. to do in the nineties. Well, it's, you know? way, too, it's uh, way too much. Yeah, it's it's way too much work. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, and, and, uh, but it is, uh, you know, it is an intriguing notion, you know, had, uh, Thomas Riker stayed on the, uh, stayed on the enterprise. I mean, then they use him again in deep space nine, actually, mm-hmm. which was pretty yeah. clever. That's um, a pretty fun episode too. Mm-hmm. And I, I was kind of like, I want to watch that guy's show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why is I, it that I, the guest stars are always so more, more interesting? I, when, you that know, was not he, the case on the original show. No. That's the big yeah. difference, right? Yeah. yeah, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, when you look at the original show, the Troika is the most interesting part of that show. Yeah, always, sure. always. You know, there's no one that's more interesting than them. In Next Generation, it's always the guest stars who are more interesting. You unless know, Captain Jellico. Guy Troy falls in love with. She oh, has yeah. the worst boyfriends of anybody on television. They are so awful. 
they're so oh, bland and boring. So bland. It's such a weird sense of who she was. It's like, you know, in the Masterpiece Society or the Price. Oh, my God. Or, I well, mean, it's, exactly. You know what it's like, though? It's like when, when men cast love interests and they don't, right. they're like, well, I remember when the pilot for Castle aired and we were watching the pilot in our writers room, the show it was on, and all the guys were like, ugh. No, how can anybody like Nathan Fillion? And all the women went, excuse me. <laughs> That's really funny because when we watched the Firefly pilot, if you remember, mm-hmm. we, we were saying that about Nate. Oh, he's so bland. He's no Shatner. He, who, who, who cast this guy? And, and of course, you know, he ends up being great. And then by yeah. the time Castle came around, I thought he was a great pick because we were getting paid by them. Because <laughs> yeah. I was on Castle. So I was like, oh, he's great. But no, but he, 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 by then I had already become a Nathan Fillion fan, you know, once Firefly premiered. But I remember when we were watching the pilot, it was the original pilot. Yeah, yeah you know, the confusing that, that, one with all the, the quarters. And we're all like, oh my God, who, you know, what's this? What's uh, happening? Yeah. Well, and and we, we thought the cast was so bland and it was just like, oh my God. And this is Joss Whedon. We thought it was going to be so great. And I, I remember watching that like it was yesterday. Yeah. You know, it was well, like no, when we watched the Galactica miniseries. Yeah. Pilot for that wasn't really the pilot, wasn't it? Didn't they air like the it, first? They aired it out of order. It yeah. aired yeah. Out of three. Five or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Because they made the train job the new pilot, mm-hmm. but the pilot they shot for Fox was you know that original one serenity or whatever it was called and yeah, you know about the war and yeah yeah and and then they ended up airing it much later in the run i think once it had been canceled mm-hmm. um they turned it into a two-parter with captain pike and yeah. um, <laughs> you know but the the train job was basically repiloting it was like their second pilot but it already been picked up to series but they they didn't want to lead with the actual pilot that they had shot because I just remember being really conf- like feeling like I had been dropped into the season like somewhere, you know, for usually yeah. the first episode of a series does a pretty good, you hope, job of setting it up. But well, so it took a little while to get into Firefly. Then the thing course- is, Nathan Fillion would have been exactly the kind of guy they would cast as one of Troy's boyfriends. Mm-hmm. That would have been way too interesting. <laughs> Maybe not. He's a little Matt, bit Matt more. McCoy. Remember him? Oh, yes, Ugh. of course. Yeah, Matt McCoy. He does commercials, by the way, now for like life insurance. No, well, sure. uh, auto insurance. Seriously. Well, yeah. I see him all the time. I watch an auto. TV network. Yeah. <laughs> That's, it's really, it's really, it's, 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 it's really funny. It's like they did everything they could to make Troy not an interesting character. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she did. She did Worf. That was interesting. No, was it? no, that was stupid. <laughs> they no. had no chemistry. No, they had the zero chemistry. Yeah. And they hated it. They both hated it. Oh, you know, you they hated tell. the idea they of it. Practically winced their way through all of those scenes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's funny because you know, obviously they set that up in the alternate universe episode in parallels, and then they liked yeah. the idea of it. Um, but, you know, they both hated it because Marina wanted to be with Frey. I'm not Frakes, but with Riker. Yeah. And, and you know, and Worf, it made no sense that he would be with somebody so touchy-feely. Oh, my God. Um, it's fun in parallels, like, just as an alternate reality totally. kind of thing. But... As a what if. Mm-hmm. I, I think by seventh season, they were just, like, embracing anything that seemed, you know, offbeat and different. And, yeah, yeah I don't yeah. know. There's definitely that scene in All Good Things where Picard comes out like in his pajamas. He needs to tell, find out what day it is, and he runs into Worf and Troy like outside the door. 
And the scene actually works really well because the discomfort on everyone's part is palpable. <laughs> but oh, yeah. are they acting or well, was it real? And and Mark is now telling the, me it was real. They're looking at his uh, really low V-cut uh, tunic. <laughs> He was a fan of those. <laughs> okay, Darren. So oh, yes, yes, you now have a chance to propose a what if. What I'm I'm curious. What would your what well, if be? I think I I touched on this before in a previous episode. What if in Star Trek Three, Spock didn't become alive again? Mm-hmm. How do the crew? deal with the fact that spock isn't there anymore and and yep. not act like idiots yeah that's <laughs> on my li- that's on my list too um, in, in most yeah. of star trek 3 they're acting like idiots when yeah. he's not around and that's just horrible well um, look, i think we've talked about this it's more interesting to see how people deal with loss and how yeah. they move on after a tragedy like that <laughs> beloved member of the family dies and and you know it was such a cheat to bring spock back absolutely and it it, yeah. it took away all the meaning of two Yep. Which and is, you know, sacrifice. like that, the ending of that movie is just one of the greatest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and he, as it turns out, yeah. he they cheated their way out of death. Yeah. But that's what Kirk does. Yeah. No, he Kirk doesn't. He no, he doesn't. He doesn't. He's never no, cheated. That's the lesson of Star Trek 2. He says, you, the lesson of Star Trek 2 is you can't always cheat your way yeah. out of it. Mm-hmm. And and that's an important lesson because he's cocky and he's arrogant. And in the end, he realizes, oh, you know, I can't always beat the Kobayashi Maru. You know, that like, that's a great lesson. Yeah. And, lesson and, of three is, ooh, look, we got another movie. Yeah. No, well, and, and, is, ooh, I did it. Hey, where's Spock? Oh, there he is. We can't, we <laughs> have to remember without Spock coming back, there would be no Star Trek 4. And that would be an abomination against. You're talking to the wrong person here. <laughs> oh, come on. I love Star Trek 4. Oh, That's a comforting oh, casserole, yeah. macaroni and cheese thing that I can watch when the world is bad. Macaroni and cheese. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you can find so much enjoyment in it. I unfortunately cannot. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it also started to end it with this whole great idea of the good of the many outweighs the good of the few or the one, which is a fantastic yeah. message that sometimes you, you have to make sacrifices for the greater good, like wear a freaking mask. Right. And, uh, and, and, and so the third one is saying the good of the one outweighs, uh, you know, so it's this awful message that it's sending yeah. apply mm-hmm. to so many things. Yeah. And it just, it just shows because everything gets screwed up in three, everything. Yeah. And it's a mess. And you, and you spend a whole movie, you know, you know, just chasing, trying, you know, and it, and it undoes all the good of two. It's like, oh, I used proto matter. I cheated. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, so David is a scumbag. Yeah, David's too. a scumbag. You, and and Carol was incompetent. And, you know, all that stuff. And it's just it's horrible. And you were so mad at, at your father for cheating death and uh, doing all these things, you know, uh, in the first movie, you know, yeah. that he shouldn't have done. And oh, when you he cheated. Knew, you know? He knew that he was a cheater, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just so. It's, uh, look, we're going to do that uh, long promised Star Trek 3 episode at some point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but even uh, though now we love Robin Curtis. Oh, Star Trek Three is not good. Well, you know, we it's love funny Robert because Chris. one of my what ifs, which was like a little bit of a tandem on it, but what if Kirstie Alley had come back? Right. Mm, Star Trek six. Three. Um, or, because yeah, yeah. part of that story, why I think it just didn't work, and obviously I could be alone here, but I thought Kirstie Alley and Leonard Nimoy had chemistry. Yeah. I really I, thought I, that Savick and Spock had this like weird chemistry, which would have made 
three work better on the planet. And Robin mm -hmm. is fantastic. I just felt like I didn't ever clicked her with her and him. Well, yeah, it's, it's you know, hard because it's supposed to be the same character, right? Yeah, you know, and it's it's just you're right. always reminded that it isn't, but it should right. be. No, it's it's time for total truth between us now. And I have to say, look, I, I adored Robin Curtis uh, uh, from our interview, you know, but let's put the actors aside. Just look at the, the performances. You know, I think Nimoy directed her wrong. Like mm -hmm. all of a sudden he decided he was going to play her as a straight up Vulcan. Uh -huh. What made her so interesting in two was she was this half Vulcan, half Romulan, yeah. you know, and she had a little sarcasm uh, chasm right. and a little irony in her, and, and, and she wasn't just, you know, straight ahead. I think Raman did a really great job playing a hundred percent like Vulcan and mm -hmm. just doing what right. Leonard wanted her to do. But, you know, to me, the Kirsty performance is, you know, just a little more compelling, uh, you know, because of what, you know, Nick Meyer did and what, you know, Kirstie Alley did. And you're right. I mean, and she's just a lot more, um, you know, like, yeah, if she had done the, 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 you know, the, the, the pond far with um, in Star Trek three right. with mm -hmm. Spock, it would have been a very different thing. I think then you would want to see the exploration of when she gets pregnant with Spock's baby in four right. and five and, you know, see, see the, the implications of that. Because that's gonna that's some weird stuff that could I mean that's the kind of stuff they weren't gonna do in the movies in the eighties. Right. But it's like, wow, wouldn't that have been interesting, you know, or isn't that interesting to explore now if if Savik had had Spock's baby as a result of three? Right. Mm -hmm. Which also makes Star Trek Six all the more fascinating. If that if Valeris had actually been Savik as they had originally intended. Yeah, I mean, Valeris, uh -huh. they were all the three be different people actually played yeah. the same role over yeah. like six movies. Yeah. But, but how much more impactful would that have been if Savick was the betrayer of all time? That would have yeah. been fantastic. It would have been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it would have given a reason to see Spock's horrible anger mm -hmm. at her in that, yeah. in that movie. Well, no, that was it. the intention, right? I mean, so did, did Rob, like, was Robin Curtis asked back for six? Or well, that's I mean, the funny they, thing. We heard the we heard a little bit of the story behind that in our podcast a, a few weeks ago. Yeah, she tells the story that Richard Arnold calls and says, "I have good news and bad news," and she goes, uh, "Oh, well, tell me the good news. They're bringing Savic back in Star Trek Six. She's like, "That's fantastic." He goes, "Yeah, but they don't want you." Oh, <laughs> it's like, oh my God, that's awful. Yeah, it's just, it's just so sad. It's so sad to hear her tell the story. And, and it's it's just unconscionable that he presented it to her that way, where yeah. she got her hopes up. Yeah. And thought, oh my God, this is great. Because after she sort of got screwed out of doing anything in Star Trek Four, um, you know, it's just a shame because there was no desire to ever do anything interesting with Kirk's son or with Savic, you know, because at that point, the cast, the ensemble, you know, they had to service all of them and they already had so much clout that, you know, every time you introduced a new character, they thought, OK, this could be the person that replaces me. I don't right. want them in the show. Right. You know, yeah. so, um, you know, it was not a friendly, you know, ultimately, you know, an opportunity for these characters to really grow and be explored. And That's why they put the hit on Ilea. <laughs> but I mean, Sava could have been interesting. I mean, in the it's funny in the uh, novelization for the Wrath of Khan, which I thought was great. Yeah, um, Sava uh, and McIntyre wasn't it? Get together, yeah. and you know they actually, they, you know, some chemistry there. So it just would have been. I don't. She would have been just an interesting character to keep around. But I think there yeah. was behind the scenes, you know. Well, yeah, because in the deleted scenes, 
of Star Trek Two, there's actually like flirting going on between David and Savik. And, you know, it's like, how interesting would that be if, like, something's going on with them and then she gets pregnant by Spock oh, in Star Trek 3. She's son, but carrying Spock's baby. It's, it's really the, yeah. the, and the then six, natural extension of everything. She gets <laughs> sent away to prison. Yeah. <laughs> and at 6, she gets sent away to prison for 20 years at the end of 6. Mm -hmm. So now somebody got to raise Spock's baby. Yeah. You know? It's like it's crazy wild stuff. I don't know. Very interesting. I don't know. I mean, it's getting a little soapy, but you know what? It's, it's all character stuff. Yeah. So I don't know. What about what about your what if? We haven't heard from your list. How do you vote? Um, <laughs> vote on the card. I, I got a I got a I got a couple couple which you mentioned already. I don't hear what if Savik had had Spock's baby was another one. But I'll I'll I'll, I'll here I'll give you the low lying fruit. The way that Edith Keeler was the obvious one, um, I'll give you the obvious next gen. You know, what if they hadn't gotten Picard back from the Borg right. in Best of Both Worlds? You know, then, you know, Elizabeth Dennehy becomes first officer uh, uh, to uh, Riker. Right. You know, and, and basically, you know, they got to save the Federation at this point. From uh, and, they, you know, they, yeah. and they have to kill from, from Picard. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, that that's a really interesting dynamic because you have, uh, you know, you know, uh, uh, Riker with all his um, his his anxieties and and questioning and and uh, you know because he was never very comfortable in that chair. He was no. always questioning himself. And well, he would and have then to you deal have this with really his... ambitious second in command who's probably looking for it. It's like, do you guys watch Call My Agent? No, no, oh, but I hear oh, it's great. It's so great. Okay, well, I, I'm not, I can't use that as an analogy then. It's on Netflix. So great. I highly recommend it. But then you basically have a second in command. You can't really trust because mm -hmm. she's going to find a way to undermine Riker to take over the ship. And it's not necessarily because she's just ambitious, but she because she feels he's making the wrong decisions right. and that she'd do a better job. Like that to me is so interesting. Well, oh, it's so like my, I always say about best, best of both worlds is even though it's Picard who gets kidnapped, captured, it's Riker's episode. Right. Like it's his arc that drives so much of that two-parter. And I think it's for Frakes, he was never better on the show than he was on Best of Both Worlds. He was really, really good um, in those episodes. And it, it, I think that, you know, if he is, well, it's just like at the end of, the, of part one where he says fire, you know, I think if he were forced to battle Picard, there's no better person. And I don't care who else wants to try to usurp him. Mm -hmm. There is no better person who is going to be able to figure out how to stop him than Riker. I agree. Or at least the combination of Riker and Data. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then Data doesn't have the emotions of it all wrapped right. up in it. Yeah. It's, which is sort of interesting. It's kind of that Eve Killer thing again. You know, right. it's like Data's the Spock, you know, Riker's uh -huh. Kirk in that scenario. But um, it's, it's, uh, that's so interesting. I, I came up with um, a more obscure one too, because that was, I thought, you know, I, I, I kind of knew the Eve Keeler thing would go early. And I thought that the, 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 the best of both worlds would probably get taken. So I came up with a more obscure one, which is what if the Enterprise couldn't escape the past and tomorrow is yesterday? What if they were oh. stuck? Well, in um in, in in the sixties. Well, then that yeah. pilot probably would have gotten picked up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 uh. 
you know, it, it's so interesting because like, what if, you know, what are they going to do? Are they going to look for other inhabited systems? Well, they can't because if they go find Vulcan or they go find any of these planets, they're going right. to, they're going to mess up potentially the way the future is supposed to happen. So, so do where they, do they then, go? What do they do? What do they do? I know yeah. do they go somewhere else or, you know, do, do, is it Galactica 1980 where mm -hmm. they keep, the, I, I hate to say that, but it could be right. because they, they keep the enterprise, you know, hidden in orbit somewhere. Yeah. And then they start sending down the crew to like, just make a life on earth and not, you know, and they have to like sort of acclimate to like life on earth without being able to talk about the future. And, and, I mean, and that, uh, that seems like what they would do. It really does. Or at least that would be the goal. Somebody would mm -hmm. of course screw it up, but it seems right. like, Someone gets a sport, sports almanac. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember that Parisi Squares game. <laughs> I don't know. I think they would go to some planet that they visited before and become gods. Yeah. I'm Apollo. On purpose? Yeah. yeah. On purpose. Now, wait. This is the episode, though, with Gary Seven, though, right? No, no. no it's a Simon no. Earth. This is uh, tomorrow is yesterday. That's what I was thinking about with the pilot. Because right. I was thinking, yeah. wait a minute. They would just Captain say, Gary, can we go to your planet? Because right. you know, we don't want to mess things up here. Yeah. <laughs> right, so right. never mind. Where the Enterprise is mistaken for UFO. Right, right, right. right. They yeah. catch the um, the guy, the pilot, the test pilot. Right. Yeah. That yeah. is really fun. I love that. Roger Accidentally Perry. got yeah. thrown back in time. Yeah. By accident. Yeah, because that one's accidentally, as opposed to Simon Earth, where they where use the time. throwaway line explains it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Using the light speed breakaway factor, the Enterprise has moved back through time to the 20th century. Our mission, historical research. <laughs> that's, that's the explanation. <laughs> Our mission to get Gene Runberg another pilot. Really go. Yeah. So I, I think it's really interesting to see what they would do. And it has that kind of Galactica finale thing. I won't say Galactic 80. I'll just say like when they get to, I mean, obviously yeah. like, at that point, mankind were Neanderthals or right. something much like in uh, Texas and uh, Mississippi. But, <laughs> um, but, you know, the, um, but it, it'd be interesting to see, you know, what choices Kirk would, ma would make well, you know, if they were permanently stuck in the past. My, my, uh, my statement is based on Planet of Titans, because that's what happens. Right. Yeah, they become, they become gods because yeah. they created fire. But I don't think that Kirk would risk uh, 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 that kind of situation where... I don't no. think he would either, but look, okay. So they're, they're basically, they're by themselves. There's no Federation. There's no. Right. right. So how I've many no people mama, are going to no be like, well, I'm out of here. Right. Mm -hmm. You right. know, how many people on the ship would, would really. I think people would want to oh, just go, look, I'll just go to start a little farm somewhere. You know, I promise I won't say anything. But one person is going to be a problem. You just know it. There's one of those red shirts who's going to be a problem. Well, and I think also you got to deal with the whole science of it all. Eventually, the lithium crystals are going to decay and their orbit mm -hmm. is going to decay. So it's like, you know, if they're in orbit around Earth, eventually the Enterprise is going to burn up. Or if they go somewhere else, eventually the Enterprise is going to burn up. So it's like, you know, what? I, or they're going to run out of power or they're going to run out blow of it up. resources. It's like, what do they do with the Enterprise? Yeah. It's like, sure, they could blow you know, it up. I, I think they got to settle on Earth. I, I mean, it's like, you know, yeah. what are they going to do? Go to another planet which has no resources or no anything? Or maybe cargo carriers on SETI Alphas. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just, I, you know, it's like, but that to me is like an interesting what if scenario. It's like, what if yeah. the Enterprise is stranded in the past? Like, that's cool to me. I'm trying to remember, like, who have they met, like, before then? Like, have they met anyone that they could go to and be like, you know, like, if... Yes. <laughs> 
in the sixties, the Earth hasn't encountered anyone. Khan is out there. No, but I I know he isn't. He isn't yet. That's right. No, not till nineties. What if they went the nineties? Now it's just a whole different episode. Sorry. You know, and then what if there's then somebody on board friends. who thinks they can avoid like the eugenics wars and avoid all the bad stuff that happens to Earth? You know, you know, it's like people who screw things up because they're trying to do good, you know, playing, you know, I've become God, you know, the whole Oppenheimer thing. It's like, so do they try and like correct things to make the future better and as a result make things worse? You I mean, know? some people would though, wouldn't there would be people in the crew who would split off and want to do that. Probably. Mm-hmm. And then there would be people like, I don't think. Kirk, I don't think the Kirk, Kirk would. Walker McCoy wouldn't. I don't think that no. any of the people with actual speaking roles would do anything. <laughs> but I, what about the but, aliens on board? They always kind of imply. Oh, that, you know, every once yeah. in a while, you see an Andorian kind of walk by in the background or something. You know, like what are they supposed to do? They can't live in the barn. What is the cast of Star Trek Prodigy going to do? <laughs> yeah, that's 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 true. That's true. Yeah, it's, um, it's really interesting. I think that would that would be a cool. You could just do like, OK, here you go. CBS All Access or whoever the hell is doing Star Trek now. Here's your show. A, an off brand <laughs> starship. Off brand. Off brand starship. <laughs> off brand. Yeah, exactly. Well, and speaking of which I had. What if Captain April had been captain of NX01? Right. Nothing. It would be the same yeah. show. You just would have called them the right thing. That's all. That's all it would have been. It would have been a different name. And it would have been the same show. And it would have been better because it would have been canon. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. That's all I've said. Okay. And you want a wacky one? Yes. What if Janet Lester, Janice Lester didn't get caught in Kirk's body? What if they never found out? Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Or, but conversely, Spock had done a mind meld five minutes of the episode and they could have <laughs> saved themselves a lot of trouble and realized, oh, yeah, Kirk's right. <laughs> well, that's like, like mine, mine would be, what if uh, Tasha Yar didn't die mm. and Worf was never chief of security, oh. half of the stuff that happened on the Enterprise wouldn't have happened because that dude could not keep the bridge safe. Well, the How whole, many times the episode he's going to shoot a hole into the view screen? Oh <laughs> it would have been a lot less Klingon episodes. Um, <laughs> Maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. Yeah. It just would have been like half the episodes wouldn't have happened. And now, now this is a question for our showrunners over here because this is more of a production question. What if there had been no writer's strike before season two of TNG? Ooh. Yeah. It would have been better. Yeah. You know, I think it would have been better. Yeah. But season two, I think, is when it kind of started getting good. If you really go back and you look at season one, next gen, it's kind of unwatchable. I mean, obviously, I, 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 you know, just couldn't get enough of every single episode when it came out because I was so desperate. But when you look back at how good the show got, and it's it, kind of, I mean, it didn't really start, I mean, until season two. I mean, everyone says basically best of both worlds was all of a sudden where, okay, now we're in like a whole different uh-huh. like thing. But I wonder if the strike gave people time to think about it a little more about where they were going into. I don't know. Yeah, yeah but it, it does start yeah. to get better into, but it is, it does take a little while. Look, the, the, uh, the Klingon episode in season one is great. Heart of well, Glory. I'm there's no Heart good, good yeah. episodes, but yeah, the Heart, was so... To me, the show started getting interesting with Heart of Glory mm-hmm. because it it uh, it actually didn't concern our main characters, and that's probably why. 
I, I think I, my my answer would I think it would have been better because I think that you know when one ended with the neutral zone and the Romulan saying we're we'll be we're we're back right. they would have actually picked up on that thread yeah. at the beginning of second season and then you know Maurice Hurley had this whole um, uh, uh, arc that he was going to do with Times Squared which was going to lead into Q Who which oh. they didn't do oh, and I think would that would have been really interesting because the one thing that second season did really well is it did the space 1999 thing well it did the weird the universe is weird and dangerous yes. like yeah. Q Who and where silence has lease mm-hmm. and it was like really creepy and weird mm-hmm. which Star Trek never really did again um and that's what I like about season two for all its many faults um it's very creepy and weird that, you know and space is like dangerous and unpleasant and um well they were taking a lot more chances i mean season one was just like okay we're going to do things but season (laughs) two i feel like that people like you know the ideas opened up a little bit more Mm -hmm. i mean even in the child you have like this weird thing you know coming in and impregnating troy and it's just you know it's a terrible episode but yeah um you know, it's, it's a still terrible like, episode. I still can't figure out how they got through the censors. I could just see some lawyer at Paramount being like, this seems like a really bad idea. I think the way <laughs> it got through was they basically said, we have no scripts and we have the script from phase two and we can rewrite this quickly and get into production. They're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would have loved more Romulan episodes, actually. Mm-hmm. With less shoulder pads. I don't know. I, I with more, more shoulder pads. You shoulder like the pads shoulder, pads? Mm. shoulder pads? Well, that's that's sort know. of the that's sort of the crossover between Next Generation and L.A. Law. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I would have so, watched the hell out of that. Uh, uh, any other uh, any other what ifs hmm. that have been on your mind? If only you know. I I noticed we didn't have a. This is all TNG and TOS. Uh, what if, what if uh, Janeway and Paris had stayed lizards? <laughs> no that difference. That would have been great. No difference. <laughs> what if Chakotay had finished that bathtub sooner? <laughs> they really had gotten together before Voyager came back to pick them up. <laughs> it was like, what if Enterprise had gone seven seasons? Um, now, I don't know... Um, I don't know. I, I'm thinking about Voyager and it's just like, you know, it's like, oh, what if uh, the the McKee hadn't, you know, buried the hatchet with the uh, with, with, with the Federation after, you know, half an episode? You know, what if well, they were, had so remained that, at odds? That's, like, I don't know Voyager well enough. I think there probably are some interesting what ifs. But the thing that drove me nuts about the show was the pilot because it's such a great setup. Yeah, so great. So and then great. and then by the end of it, they're all just like holding hands and they're going to work together. And you're just like, where what have you done with my conflict right no you should, you should have been voyager should have been a little more snow piercer you know like they should have yeah, been yeah yeah kind of in the back like i'm not taking orders from you this is our part of the ship this is your part of the ship right they do some of that later a little bit of it later which is they do some kind of interesting moral dilemmas uh, at least from the episodes that we've seen um but that really bummed me out in the pilot because i was so looking forward to female captain She's awesome. We've got immediate conflict on the bridge. And then Cass and Neelix always creep me out. So <laughs> but all, all it needed to do was follow through on the premise that it set up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it never yeah. did. No. It's funny because it's one of the few Star Trek series where the pilot is really 
in a way a lot better than the series. You know, in most cases, the surgery pilots, you mm-hmm. know, are not great. Um, the cage yeah. is great, but you know, emissary, yeah. I guess, is pretty great. But um, you know, even on Enterprise, I guess, uh, but the show gets better from those pilots. Whereas Voyager, I think, you know, Caretaker was like it really established like the premise for i mean i remember seeing it at the paramount theater and coming out and thinking this is gonna be a great star trek show i was so excited about it i thought oh, it was gonna be really good and it never lived up i never felt that way again after after the, the pilot yeah um they're definitely individual episodes but um yeah and when you've gone seven season with 26 episodes a season you better have some good episodes and i think i think there's a really <laughs> fair amount of you know really good voyager episodes there's a fair yeah. amount of really good enterprise i mean I, when i rediscovered the you know went back and watched all the fourth season which everybody you know most people feel is the strongest season i felt yeah you know manny did a great job i mean yeah. i really enjoyed the fourth season and you know there's there's good episodes in one two and three but they're fewer and far between yeah and there's and the volleyball. I just the water polo. The water oh yeah, polo. the water polo and the and the the infamous uh, decontamination scenes. Oh god. Oh my. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. AK <laughs> uh, three bunch palms. So um, yeah, it was, it was it was it was pretty crazy. Um. So oh here here's here's uh here is I'm looking just to see what else I have. What if Captain Kirk hadn't died at the end of Generations? And then, um, which is, which I like. Um, and then th- this to me may be the m- possibly one of the most interesting. What if the Romulans hadn't believed the Dominion violated the non-aggression pact at the end of In the Pale Moonlight? Mm. So if Cisco's gambit hadn't worked yeah. to get the Romulans into the war, I think the Dominion would have won. And the yeah. Earth would have been enslaved by, by the Dominion. That could have been interesting. Could have been really interesting because then yeah. they would have turned. Then they would have turned on the Romulans, and then the yeah. Romulans would have come to like the underground to the to, to you know and 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 then they would have united with what was left of the Federation, you know, to to fight the Dominion. But it, then we should. Know, although seen. they did have that disease. Although I, you know, I don't mm-hmm. know if the um, that disease that the Section Thirty One engineered that biological virus would have changed, but a game changer eventually anyway, because it would have killed off the founders. And what yeah. would have happened without the founders? Would the Jemadar and the um, and the Vorta continued without the founders? I don't know. Mm. Probably. I think the founders. I always got the sense the founders were kind of the only thing holding everything together. And if they just kind of like disappeared, everyone would lose interest in all the fighting and everything. Mm. I mean, I, I, although I guess the Jedi Guard, like they were like built to fight, weren't they? So they don't yeah. really have anything yeah. else to do, but but they needed the Ketracel White. Yeah. What if Jeffrey Combs played every character on every show? <laughs> <laughs> Did, didn't he? <laughs> no, it's like it's it's so great. I mean, there's so many cool things that you could do in Star Trek. That, I mean, uh, that's what makes it so fun. I think that's why. I, 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 you know, I was just gonna say something stupid. That's why as kids we used to talk, have all these conversations about like. But I'm thinking about it. Here we are. We're not kids. We're still having these stupid conversations. <laughs> it's like after all these years, we're still talking about this nonsense. Well, you know, why? we love we love those characters, and we have been with those characters for so long. And I think that's that's part of what I miss about TV today is that you don't get to live with characters for very long. Mm-hmm. You live with them for six or eight episodes. And like I'm watching um, Ted Lasso now and oh, it is best. so 
absolutely delightful. And I only have two episodes left. And I'm just like, but why? Why do I not have 26 episodes of the show? It's so true. Because even in the episodes of a show in a 26 episode season were awful. There were still always usually really interesting character moments. I mean, that's why we talk about TOS, you know, or TNG. I mean, there really aren't that many great, great episodes of TNG, but what you remember are the characters and you remember the great episodes. Same thing with TOS. I mean, and you saw this... them, everybody changed, you know, in seven years. So mm-hmm. you got to see that. So you felt like you were a part of it. But more importantly, let's, let's do in, in, in glorious lasso spurts. How great is Ted Lasso? <laughs> I, oh my God. I cannot stand it. I like, I'm literally going, do I watch the last two episodes or do I never watch them so that I always have them? <laughs> Watch. I know, and that's the problem with these eight to ten episode seasons oh. of anything, where you're just like watching the counter, and it's like one oh. or two episodes. You know, you one or two episodes left, and you're like, no. At least with Ted Lasso, there's another season being made. Yeah, you know, we God. just finished binging Call My Agent, and I'm like, you know, they said they're not doing any more seasons. Oh. They have all. I love when they say, "We said all we have to say." You did four seasons of six episodes each. You haven't said all you have that's to say. I'm sorry. And, and, and so uh, it's over now and it's heartbreaking. And we didn't want to watch that last episode because then it would be over. And, yeah. and it's true of all these short order shows that are any good, like yeah, Ted Lasso. It's so, what I love about the show is that there's really only one truly bad person in it. Mm-hmm, yeah, and, Giles. And- Yes, Giles yeah. is terrible. No spoilers, no spoilers. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, you'll yeah. know, like the second you appears on yeah. screen, it's not a secret. <laughs> but they're every character, even if they're presented as one thing, they always show you, like you can tell the people who work on the show love the characters. They understand gonna, these people. I'm going to ask you a crazy question because, you know, it's a show about sports. So, yes. Some of us, I know you're more into sports than Darren and I, but you know, it's not sports that we care about. Isn't there something about it that has a Star Trek-like quality in the sense of his optimism about humanity? And when you look at it, even the worst characters tend to have something under the surface. It's like the same thing as when we encounter aliens and we see the Horta and it's just a mother. It's like with Jamie Tarr, you know, it's like the same thing, right? I mean, it's crazy. With every character, Ted Lasso's relentless optimism is what finally breaks people down because people are damaged and they put up walls. And he's the only person who is able to actually get through those walls because he doesn't recognize that it's a wall. Because when you first meet him, you think this guy's a goofball. You think he's like the NBC commercials, you know, where he's just as... You know, it's like, oh, what an idiot, right? You know, he's just such a he's goof. Not, he's, real he's not at all. And yeah. he's just like damaged, but he's like super optimistic, but he believes it. And it's just like uh, that, that That first season is just like sheer perfection. It's it's just, it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. And what just, is it, eight episodes? It's uh, 10, 10, right? 10 it's half 10. hours. Yeah, it's only half hour. So it goes by yeah. like in no time. Yeah. And it's so great. It's what Kay said. It's like, you don't want to finish it yeah. because especially with the pandemic, it's, it's like succession. It's going to be like two years that we've been waiting for well, another that's the season. Other thing. Like don't make us wait for shows that long. We can't mm-hmm. remember, like you're asking us to, to love these characters and then you take them away from us for two years. For two yeah. years though. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know how you're supposed to even remember them. I mean, I don't. so many other shows come on yeah. that by the time you get back to them, I mean, that's what I missed. The other thing about the little, you know, they dropped the streaming. 
you watch it boom in like you know two or three days you can't talk about the shows like you know we were talking about this because your friends aren't necessarily on the same show episode number and so you you don't really have that there's no time to kind of think about what you've seen between episodes you know you used to like Twin Peaks or something, you'd spend all week thinking about like one moment and like trying to figure out how that's going to pay off. But now they're like, and, and someone used the analogy, and I think it's right. It's like eating a bag of chips. You finish the, the series and no matter how good it is, and it, it's over, it's gone, you forget about it and you move on. You reach for well, the next bag, yeah. Yeah. Well, what you said about Twin Peaks is really interesting too, because the difference also was we were all watching Twin Peaks. Yeah. So when you got together that weekend, you could all talk about it. Whereas like, even now, look at us. Like we've seen Ted Lasso. You haven't seen it. You've watched something else. Like, and there's shows like, have you watched Lupin? It's like, oh, you know, it's like I Lupin's haven't finished great. it, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's just it, it's it, and then like, you know, you mentioned another show that we wouldn't have seen. You mm-hmm. know, and it's it's just like because nobody's watching the same things. I mean, that's part of the reason I think people are reacting so strongly to like WandaVision because everyone's watching it. Right. So, so everyone can discuss Thrones. it. Game of Thrones was the only show like as right. like in the last 10 years that like if I didn't watch it for some reason Sunday night, I couldn't go to work on Monday. I just called it sick because, <laughs> you know, I mean, they were going to spoil it for me. There was no way that's not what everyone was going to talk about all morning. It's funny with WandaVision, which I haven't seen because I don't have Disney Plus, so mm-hmm. uh, out of that. But it's funny how I saw some media journalist person say, it's just amazing, like, what happens when you actually drop an episode a week? That's so revolutionary. And it just validates the whole TV model of the weekly it does rather than than the netflix model it gives you yeah. something to look forward to yeah yeah and it gives you time to discuss it and and it it feels more like art than product you know yeah. when you drop them all at one day it just feels like you know like you said the bag of popcorn you eat your popcorn it's done you move on i want i'm hungry again i want another bag of popcorn and they're Whereas, calling it content now which is also yeah. i don't enjoy that hate it hate that <laughs> yeah i know content rather than series or yeah. television or entertainment it's no it's content mm-hmm. yeah and then you know so you you don't have disney plus but you have cbs all access i do not have cbs all access. oh okay okay <laughs> no. i'm just like well, really there's no. no such thing as cbs all access anymore <laughs> it, you know it's so funny because even going back to next generation i remember what those discussions were like even without the internet you know, where everyone would be talking about Next Generation, you know, after that episode aired. And that was always fun. And I find that to be, you know, less of the case mm-hmm. with, you know, Star Trek on streaming. One, because, you know, a lot of my friends aren't watching it, partially because they don't like it or because they don't want to pay for the streaming yeah. platform, um, you know, or they're waiting to binge them at the end. Yeah. You know, so there's not, you're not having those kind of conversations. I know a lot of it probably is happening on the internet and it's happening on, on uh, podcasts and things, but, um, but, you know, there's a lot less of that kind of interaction with like-minded individuals. It's just you know, more formal, I think. And I mean, I miss the informality of just, you know, going down to Comic-Con and hanging out at the Marriott bar and talking about whatever. <laughs> well, you know? I miss going down to Comic-Con period. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been a lovely conversation. See, look at that. That we breezed past the hour. We're still talking about this. So uh, <laughs> this is great. Well, we're going to have to have you guys back. You were such good yeah. guests. Oh, thank you. That was really fun. You know, maybe not as good as Robin Curtis, but like close. Yeah. 
We're not acting. <laughs> but you we'll probably would have been better playing Savic. Um, oh, wow. oh No, I didn't God. say it. That was a joke. Oh, my God. It's a joke. A little joke. Um... So uh, anyway, but but th but this was absolutely great. Um, and and Darren, wasn't this a good show? This was a good show, Mark. Absolutely, okay, I thought so. I'm glad. I'll see. I'm, I'll, I'm I'll listen to it again and again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, look, I want to remind people that if you're a fan of Inglorious Trexperts, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can watch us on the Electric Now video app, which you can download wherever you get your video apps. You can stream us along with our sister shows, The 430 Movie, The Best Movies Never Made. And you can also listen to the new Trexpert's Briefing Room. Tell us, what is Trexpert's Briefing Room, Darren Dachterman? Well, Mark Altman, Trexpert's Briefing Room is an audio-only podcast where we curate certain episodes of the Trex series uh, from our glorious past. And uh, we watch them with a uh, notable guest. Sometimes they participated in its creation. Sometimes they're just a big fan of it like we are. And we give a, uh, a full-length commentary. And it's lots of fun. And uh, play your DVDs along with us. We, we've had a great group of people dropping by the briefing room. We're going continue to continue to do that. We also want to thank um, our sound mixer extraordinaire, Bill Ritter, along with Mark Rivera, who've been making us sound so good even during a pandemic. Producer Natalie Miscali, associate producer is Peter Holmstrom and Zach Raggetts. Also, if you're a fan of Gabrielle Stanton and Kay Reindell, which I know you must after listening to this podcast, they will be joining me at WonderCon at home as we go inside the writer's room uh, and we talk about writing for television with a bunch of great writers from The Boys and from uh, The Flight Attendant, which is another show I recently binged and loved. And... Um, all kinds of TV shows, uh, many, many shows. And uh, you can watch that at WonderCon at home at the end of the month. And in March, it'll be on uh, on YouTube. So check that out. And coming soon to the Electric Now app. So on behalf of Kay, Gab, Darren, and myself, Mark A. Altman, I want to thank you for joining us. And wish you keep on trekking. And gloriously, of course. <laughs> This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.